So Money Episode 882, Tamana Roshan, founder of Dress Your Face. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I told him too, I said, look, our first year in LA, we're probably not going to make much money because this is where I'm going to be networking a lot. I'll be going to a lot of events, meeting a lot of people, trying to get my foot in the celebrity door, meaning I'll probably have to do a lot of makeup for free. Um, but you know, just know that, you know, we have some savings. We're okay. So I kind of planned it out where I was able to take a year off, right. If needed. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. That's Tamana Roshan, our guest today, who is a superstar entrepreneur with two and a half million Instagram followers. If you love makeup and beauty, then you may have heard of Tamana. Her first job was as a wedding photographer when she was just 13 years old. Her artistic eye and photography training helped her help brides look stunning on their wedding days. This led to a love of makeup and a path to cosmetology school, but that wasn't the end of it. Tamana's parents urged her from an early age to become an entrepreneur. They encouraged her to build a life being her own boss. So she earned a marketing degree from there and led her to build a massive business around her artistry. She's the founder of the company called Dress Your Face, and she's created the best-selling Tamana Palette. She's a triple certified makeup artist and has built a social media empire, as well as an online makeup school at dressyourfacelive.com. Lots to learn from Tamana, especially in particular, the importance of having an offline business and not just being an Insta celebrity. Here's Tamana Roshan. Tamana Roshan, welcome to So Money. Hi, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. It's such a privilege to connect. We were connected by um, a listener of So Money, um, Mary Grace, who is um, a, an entrepreneur, and she's been on this podcast. She was very kind to connect us because I think she just thought we would get along. I'm super <laughs> impressed with your body of work. And also, I know you're part Middle Eastern, part South Asian. Like, I just think that we have some overlap and probably at least the way we were raised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know your parents were a big influence in your life. Um, a huge. For people who are listening and um, may not be familiar with uh, Tamana's work, you have probably seen her work on Instagram. She has two and a half million followers at Dress Your Face Live, which, um, sorry, at Dress Your Face, which is um, a community that you started how many years ago now? Um, it's been around since like the MySpace days. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> I started it off, um, of course, like not online though. It was my business name. Um, and then once I got on Facebook, I created a Dress Your Face page. And that's where it kind of just started growing. And what do you think it was? I mean, part of it is that you've just been steady and consistent. I think that's really important when you're building Mm -hmm. a brand and building an audience, but there obviously has to be a reason why people are coming back for more. And what do you think it is about your approach that has made 
what can be a kind of intimidating thing. Like a lot of women I, f- I hear are, are overwhelmed with like beauty tactics and they don't know where to start when it comes to makeup. And, and I feel like you've become such a go-to resource for them. But what, what do you think it is? What's your secret sauce? Honestly, when I first started, it was really just, you know, finding what made me unique and kind of just tapping into that more. Um, For me, a lot of it had to do with my culture and bringing the Eastern style makeup to the U.S. I mean, I was born and raised here, but my style definitely screams you know, drama and Bollywood and Middle East and all that flair. So I think first of all, finally having someone that can kind of show a different side of makeup instead of like the typical natural blend, 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 um, you know, techniques that are taught here in the U S um, I was teaching, you know, layering and contouring and, you know, dramatic eyes and all that stuff. And I think what really though was my secret sauce is just being authentic to who I am and being a trustworthy source, you know, someone who doesn't just BS and, and hop on bag wagons of trends and, you know, um, you know, different products that are out just because they're out from, you know, celebrities or whatnot, especially nowadays, I think it's so easy to just, you know, hop on something and, and because it's trending, um, talk about it and be a part of it. But for me, it has to really be, you know, whatever I'm talking about has to be really useful. It has to be user-friendly, it has to be, um, performing correctly in the way that I want it to. And as an educator, um, in the field, I feel like having that trust with my audience is really what built, um, my loyalty, A hundred percent. And I wonder if you noticed as you were being yourself and maybe doing it before it was um, culturally relevant, you know, to be out there as, um, you know, someone who wasn't just a blonde, white, American looking woman, right? That's like, that Mm -hmm. was like the standard of beauty that our Mm -hmm. kind of like appreciation of beauty has really evolved. And I'm so happy about that. But was there, what was that? What else was happening in society that was maybe was allowing you to rise? I think like, I mean, I don't know how you feel about the Kardashians, but I feel like that beauty, <laughs> that version of beauty, like we didn't, we weren't used to that. This sort of like exactly. brown hair, brown so eye, exotic, right? Armenian. It was different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you're so right. I think that definitely did kind of help during the rise, you know, coming in as someone who kind of looked like that. Um, you know, with more tan skin, dark hair, dark eyes, and then having the rise of the Kardashians, of course, and having her wear more dramatic makeup and being on TV all the time. Um, I think finally people started to crave for more of that. And here I was already doing that. And I think that that definitely did help, um, in that era when I was starting. So let's talk about when you were starting and even before you started. I know way back you were um, just 13 when you started out as a photographer for weddings, which I understand was where Mm -hmm. you got the inspiration to kind of go deeper into hair and makeup and and you became really fascinated with the industry. did, did, were your parents supportive of this? Because I feel like my parents would have think, been like, you need to go get a law degree, Farnoosh, or a medical degree. Uh-huh. Like, hair and makeup is just for your hobby. Have fun with right. it, but don't make it right. your job. Well, I'm very, very lucky and blessed that my parents and my grandparents are very um, open-minded, um, out-of-the-box thinkers. And they're very forward when it comes to um, ideas of what makes someone successful. 
And um, because of their push in the right direction, I was able to follow this passion and create it, you know, an empire out of it. Um, essentially, what was happening is um, I, I did help them as a you know, photographer's assistant, videographer's assistant when my parents had their um, business for wedding photography. And I was very young, like you said, I was 13. Um, and with word of mouth and just helping out the brides, I was good with art. I was always, always good with art, with drawing, with, you know, anything um, crafty and artsy. And they saw that in me. They knew that I was really good at that. But somehow I kept pushing myself into the sciences, even though I knew that art was my passion. I just never thought that it would be able to sustain a lifestyle that I wanted, um, especially at that time, makeup artistry wasn't really glamorized the way it is now. And so for me, like I was kind of more the conservative thinker, um, just kind of keeping this as my passion and, and following astronomy and evolution physics and all that stuff, um, as my major in college. So once I was in university, I was a science girl and I was just working so many jobs. This is where things got real. Um, I was not getting any financial help, um, because they, my parents are the type of parents that just wanted me to be on my feet and figure it out, you know? So even though I was the only child, um, you know, and growing up in a Brown home, usually you're babied and you're, you know, taken care of and you just go to school and everything else is paid for, but you just go to school, you know, that's your job. For me, I had to have three jobs to pay for my school and I had to like really grow up. And I liked that. I love that approach. Um, and even at the time, I never resented them. I understood what they were doing and I got it. Um, but one day they all had to sit down and give me an intervention, even my grandparents um, and my grandfather and grandmother kind of led the, the discussion. And they were like, look, Tam, like you are working so many jobs and you're spreading yourself so thin just to pay for school. Like, are you even saving anything? Is all your money going to school? Like, what are you doing? Do you want these jobs or do you want to do something that you absolutely love? Why don't you take a year off of school, follow your passion, go to beauty school, get a certificate or degree or whatever comes with beauty school. And that would be, um, a cosmetology license. Um, and start your business and let that pay for school so you aren't spreading yourself so thin and you're actually having fun while making your money and building your business. And school would basically be your backup and, you know, do it right. You know, be go after the American dream. Just do it. Wow. And, um, That's it genius. Was right? that they were ahead of their time. Your family. Way ahead. They've always been very artsy themselves. So I think they understood it. Um, like my, my grandparents were writers and poets, painters, um, my mom and dad, of course, photography and all that. Um, they're just, they're all very artsy. And so I just kind of, it fell onto my lap and knowing that I had their blessing, um, I went to beauty school, I got licensed and then I went back to college, but this time as a marketing major so that it could just be a little bit more broad and help me no matter what I did. And I'm so glad I did that because honestly, I mean, now marketing is so different, right? Because of social media and all of mm -hmm. this influence that we have, but it still allowed me to have a little bit of an education that could help me kind of elevate myself at that time coming in so many years ago. I mean, we're talking about like the year 2002, 2003. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's how my parents, you know, kind of really supported me in that sense that, you know, I had their blessing. I, I, I learned from them as, you know, entrepreneurs of a small business themselves. Um, 
I had great role models and great support. One of the questions that we're asking guests this month, this episode is airing in May, and we know a lot of people are, young people are graduating from school. Mm -hmm. Um, And since we're already on the topic of your college experience, what is a piece of financial advice that you wish you'd had coming out of school? And this, this question, I should say, is in partnership with our sponsor, Chase. We both care a lot about, you know, young people and young financial literacy. But what's something that you wish that you had known um, as you were coming into your 20s and, and you know, leaving school? Um, you know, again, because of like my very forward family, I, I had a very different mindset, like not a very traditional mindset about school and about like living in the real world. For me, I'm, I don't think I had any real um, major lessons or regrets happening, um, during the school process or things I wish I knew that I didn't know at the time. I feel like for me, because I took that year off, um, and I was able to work and gain a lot of experience coming back to school as an experienced worker. I felt like that was really cool. I thought that, and I'm not in any way saying, Oh, everyone leaves school for a year, go work and then come back. Like everyone has a different path. But for me, I think that, um, if I would have known this earlier, I probably would have saved a little bit more time instead of spending, you know, six years in a four-year program. I think I probably would have finished a lot faster had I known that, um, you know, what, what path I was going through. Um, but basically for me, you know, going into my twenties and going back to school, basically uh, at that time, I was like, I guess 19 when I went back to school after I got uh, licensed, Um, I honestly felt so much older than all the students around Mm -hmm. me because I'm basically coming back like a freshman, Mm -hmm. um, because I only went to one semester before and, um, I came back and I just felt like a, like a mother and I kind of already knew a lot of stuff and I was participating a lot in the discussions, um, that the instructor was hosting during the classes. But again, I just, I felt like, Oh my God, do I even belong here? Like I'm already thriving in my business, right? Like, do I really need this? And it's a, it's a really important question that more people should ask yeah. themselves. Truly. I yeah. think that some, in some ways this, 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 like idea that if you go to college, all your dreams will come true, I think is a false Mm -hmm. bill of goods. I think that that can be true in some ways, but I think you have to be really strategic. Exactly. And it really depends on the, you know, the field that you're going in is your field, a super academic field where you need to go the whole way. And I think nowadays too, like having a bachelor's in certain fields is just not enough. I feel like so many people can easily get that. And, you know, things are very cutthroat right now, but when it comes to entrepreneurship and finding your niche and, and, you know, creating a need and fulfilling it and being able to do that successfully, I feel like that alone is its own education. And you, if that's your path, you may not even need to go to college. Mm -hmm. Now for me, that was a part of my deal with my family is that if I do take that year off and, and become this, you know, self-employed person, um, that I would go back with the money that I'm making and finish up my degree, which is what I had to do. It was, it was, I didn't want to, (laughs) by then I was like, Oh my God, why am I here? Like I said, like, I just felt so much older than all the students. And I'm like, I I really don't need to be here. I'm not learning anything. I already know all this. Um, but it's kind of nice now, like having that to say that you have a degree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you do get that respect factor. Yeah. 
Exactly. What's, what's been, you know, as you look, as I look at your, your resume, your, your business profile, you're, you're super popular on Instagram, but I also love that you have a lot of offline success as well, that it's not just, you know, this Instagram celebrity that you have, mm-hmm. um, you have products, you have courses and, mm-hmm. and I wonder, was that strategic? Because I know that a lot of us can get hung up on our businesses and our, our self-worth even as entrepreneurs, because maybe we don't have online followings that amass and right. you know, that are six digits or whatever, seven digits, or even just four digits, we can get down on ourselves. So I would love yeah. to hear from you as somebody who has, you know, achieved so much on all these levels. How important is social media? And if your social media is not that great, like, does it really matter? I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like it, life's too short to obsess over Instagram. Right, right. I mean, honestly, from for, you know, speaking as someone who has grown organically before all these crazy algorithms and all these, you know, shout out pages and buying followers and all that <laughs> stuff, I, I can don't even get me started on that. Um, but I mean, having something tangible, right? Having an actual business that, like I said, fulfills needs, like a real need. Um, I feel like that is, is so much stronger than the number of following. Of course, having a great following and building that great following really helps to, um, create a platform to help you build greater things and bigger things to a wider audience. But again, it truly depends on the field that you're in. For me, doing hair and makeup, um, before I was Insta famous or Facebook famous, um, I grew in my community because of word of mouth, good old fashioned word of mouth, a bride, all her cousins would see her, you know, in her wedding and ask, Oh my God, who did your hair and makeup? And I would just grow my business that way. Um, not even through real advertising. I think a couple of times I may have advertised on Google or Yahoo or something, but that really didn't bring in anything. Um, I, all of my real business was just from word of mouth and happy clients. So I feel like, you know, the good old fashioned method of keeping clients very happy, always knowing that they come first, never forgetting about them, even in your fame, you know, even as you grow, never forget about your clients and your real, you know, early, um, bread, you know, uh, breadwinner and money makers. So for me, it, it, it really started with that and having a really, really strong foundation. Now, when it came to social media, I feel like social media is honestly very important for me at least because in, in the arts, you have to have something to show, right? You have to have your, basically your portfolio has to be very visible and everything for me used to be on my website. And of course I had to constantly put out my business cards, put them up in stores, you know, like the Middle Eastern shops and just like stick them on their bulletin board, like whatever I had to do to get my um, business card out there, like my website out there. But when social media became what it is, it was so much easier for me to basically hand out my card because I was like, just Google me or just Instagram me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just find me on Instagram. And all my work was there. And I feel like if you, if you really want to grow your following, you have to have, you have to be able to share something that a lot of people really want to see. So whether that sharing be knowledge in your field or, um, for me, it's both the knowledge and the art. Um, I became known as an educator because I started sharing the tricks that I figured out 
over the years through experience. Um, and that also set me aside and apart, um, from the other artists that may have been online at the time, because I was actually kind of teaching as I was showing online, doing pictorials and listing, okay, first this goes here and this goes here. And really that kind of helped my audience come back to my page over and over. Cause they knew that that was not just a source of beauty. It was a source of real tips and real education. Um, so I do, you know, for my field, it was equally important to have the offline strong business and grow my online following so that I can take it to the next level. And my next level was teaching on a larger platform and creating dressyourfacelive.com. Um, before that I was teaching individuals. They would come to my house. I didn't have a studio. Um, they would come to my house and I would certify them. I am certified myself. Um, and I do have the, um, you know, the following that wanted to learn from me, um, just again, from word of mouth first. And then it, you know, started on like Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. Now, once my following just skyrocketed, that's when we knew, okay, it is time to go global. I was starting to get a lot of messages from my overseas fans saying, Hey, we can't afford to come out here, um, to California to learn from you. Can you do it via Skype? And I'm like, look, I can't, I can't teach you if I'm not holding your hand like this, but I'm trying to see how I can, you know, teach online. Skype just wasn't, you know, especially at that time, internet just wasn't very as fast as it is now. Um, the webcams were very blurry. I just didn't want a low quality production. And for me, I had to think smart about it, right? So if you're going to spend all this time teaching someone online, why can't you teach a huge mass audience at the same time and make it really worth your while? So that's why we developed justyourfacelive.com. So I was able to teach everyone at such a low price point where it still made sense for me, even though for them, it's only $19 a month. Like what class is $19 a month? You cannot learn beauty secrets for that price. And YouTube is completely different. You're not learning two hour tutorials. It's like 10, 15 minute tutorials that are completely edited. This is raw live stuff. Like you see the mistakes and you see how I fix it. So for me, keeping that low price point was really the formula and having mass audience. And that way I was able to really just focus on this and a few other of my little fun things. And this is what's sustaining the lifestyle where I was able to move my parents out here to LA. Wow. They don't where are you originally from? In their life. I'm from the Bay area. Okay. So I was born here in LA, but, um, I was raised in the, in the Bay area. And once I kind of accomplished everything I could there, I came right back to LA. So what was the tipping point for you or, or tipping points? Um, mm -hmm. As you know, that's looking back, there's always like that moment where, oh my gosh, I, I did this and it was just was this outpouring of followers or mm -hmm. I don't know. What, do you have anything like that? Any, any anecdotes? I think the biggest turn in my career was my move to LA. Um, you know, as an artist, I had to go where the demand was great and also where I could really, I guess, express myself in different ways. I feel like in the Bay Area for me, um, like I said, I, I did everything I wanted to do. I accomplished everything I could. Um, the celebrity scene in, L in the Bay Area is not great. It's, you know, everyone's here in L.A. or in New York. Um, and I kind of figured I would either end up in New York or L.A. no matter what. And once I was kind of just 
bored, I guess, in the Bay Area. Um, and this was after I got married. My husband and I sat down and we're like, look, we're, we're kind of ready, right, for the next step. We're ready to make a risk. Like we've saved up enough. And I think financially, too, you have to kind of be ready, right? Um, you have to be able to afford the risk. Yes, exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. Um, I was able to save up a good amount, um, because of all my clients, I was literally hustling 18 hours a day. I was up at 3am and I would come home at 9pm and of course stay up forever because I was, that's the time that I would eat. So the (laughs) the hustler's life was like that in the Bay. And I was, I think I was just ready to start working smarter, not harder. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I paid my dues. And so we came to LA, we were able to afford a nice place and kind of, I told him too, I said, look, our first year in LA, we're probably not going to make much money because this is where I'm going to be networking a lot. I'll be going to a lot of events, meeting a lot of people, trying to get my foot in the celebrity door, meaning I'll probably have to do a lot of makeup for free. Um, but you know, just know that, you know, we have some savings. We're okay. So I kind of planned it out where I was able to take a year off, right. If needed. Well, when I came to LA, a lot of doors opened. I met people that were able to kind of take me to the next step in my career, um, without really even realizing what it was at the time. So for example, with the dress your face live website, the very first year I moved to LA, that's when we launched the website. And that wasn't even originally the plan. The plan was for me to continue teaching, continue doing weddings, continue doing this, but then also do celebrities just so I could like have more stuff in my portfolio and have fun. Um, but I met a celebrity that I did, um, who told me that her partner was looking for someone to be an online instructor if we were to build a website together and be partners in something. And so I told her my ideas and what, like I thought I wanted to do and how I didn't like Skype and how I wanted my own website for this and not go through a a third party website, which is also another point. Um, you know, going through third party websites for streaming or doing anything. Um, a lot of times you don't own the um, client information, the website does. So for me, I wanted my own website where when, you know, people sign up, I own their information. Those emails are mine. You know, I can take them and do what I want with them. So I met this partner of hers and him and I literally signed papers within two weeks and we were able to launch within the first month of signing. And it just became, it literally changed everything. So my move to LA and working with this person facilitated my connection with my current partner, um, and that's when everything changed and everything grew. And even the the industry changed, like creating a platform that, that is based on a subscription. It's a mm-hmm. membership based community where people actually have to pay to watch tutorials when there's already YouTube where tutorials are abundant and completely free. It's like a lot of people were like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Like, why would you do this? This is like suicide. You're competing against a free platform. And you just have, you know, if you believe in yourself and you know, you have something to offer that, that no one else can offer the way you can. And everyone does have that thing. They all, everyone has that talent or that knowledge or something that makes them unique from everyone else. For me, it was teaching the way I teach is unique. The way I do things is unique. And I knew that even if you know, YouTube is there and a lot of people don't sign up for DYFL because of YouTube. 
once people do give DYFL a chance, it will spread and it will grow and people will realize. And that's exactly what happened. So there was a huge risk, but I believed in myself. My partner believed in me. My husband believed in me. My family believed in me. And that's kind of just... And you had savings. I had savings. You know, and so I want to just ask one question about that, which is really, it's really impressive that you saved enough to afford yourself a year of not working. I think that's ideal. And for anyone who's thinking of, you know, building a business, it's sort of the kind of runway that you hope for. How did you Mm -hmm. get to that point? Did you, did you feel like you had to be on a budget? Did you have any tricks? Did you, how did you consciously save that? Oh my God. I'm like the worst person to ask this question. Cause I've, <laughs> I, I am not a budgeter. Um, but I'm also not a spender. So I think it's just in me to not spend. Um, I don't shop really. I don't, I really, do, I don't really spend money on anything except for my house now. But like back then, the only thing I spent money on was like back in the business, um, you know, replenishing my kit, and gas and airfare. That's really all I spent on. I, I think my biggest advice for those who want to be able to have enough saved so that they can take their risk is stop shopping, man. Like <laughs> what? you don't need all these designer purses, all these designer shoes. Like obviously if you want to, you know, there's, there's that saying is, you know, you dress, what is that saying? You do dress how you want to be perceived as dress or like the job you, you dress want, for the not job the one you, you have. Want. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So that is, you know, a part of that can be true, right? But I I never spent frivolously. I never bought designer unless it was on sale or unless I had a friend that worked at Saks or something. Like you just don't make poor decisions because of a of a quick desire that you want something, right? No you impulse have to buys, right? No impulse buys at all, ever. And I'm well, really I think, disciplined. I think you're just working so many hours a day. You don't have time you to don't be shop. shopping. That's exactly what it was. You, When you're working that much, like I said, from 3 a.m. to 9 p.m., it's there's no time really hard stores are to, closed exactly <laughs> i mean only like black friday like that was the only time that i would go and like get a few things but and online shopping but honestly just stop spending so much and when you're working that much i mean you're bound to save and and also live within your means right you don't want to be house broke you don't want to be you know paying rent at a ridiculous price just because you like that luxury apartment. I never lived in a luxury apartment. I knew I could kind of afford it, but then I wouldn't have had that much savings. In fact, when my husband, my husband's from LA, but when we got married, he moved to the Bay area. So he had a job only for a short time because then he had to help support me. I was working so much that nothing was done around the house. Not to say that he does things around the house all the time. Like that's not his job, but he, he needed, I needed support, right? I needed someone to like handle the things I couldn't handle. And so he had to quit his job. So really it was just me making all the money for our household and working all that much so that he could support me behind the scenes and help me with the house. Um, I was driving, like, for example, I would be driving from San Francisco to Sacramento, back to San Francisco, down to Oakland, San Jose, Monterey, like just everywhere in the same weekend and with no sleep. I mean, mind you, I had to be at these brides' houses, these early, early weddings, be there by 3 a.m. so I can get them ready by, you know, 7 or 8 a.m. And, um, 
And so he would, he quit his job so that he could like drive me and make sure I wouldn't like fall asleep behind the wheel. So like (sighs) having a partner that's willing to put his stuff in the back seat and, and let you go as far as you you can along your hustle Mm -hmm. and understanding that it's for the both of you. I think that's also really important and, and, you know, having that, but I know a lot of the entrepreneurs these days, um, they have, it's like an opposite thing. Like, um, their husbands or their wives have that nine to five job, that steady income, the, um, the benefits, you know, the health insurance and all that stuff. While one of them is doing the whole entrepreneurship thing and, you know, trying to build their business. And I think that's also a smart way to do it just for that extra security, I guess, for your family, have one of you do the whole nine to five thing for the job security. And then the other one kind of like chase the dream. But because my dream and my hustle was so hard, (laughs) um, and required a lot of me just not being around, um, I kind of needed him to, to do Yeah. Now your parents. So that's an additional focus, a big focus, mm-hmm. the most important focus. So it's, it's helpful to have someone who's a little bit more of a primary caretaker. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like, um, with my parents, they always supported my dreams and following my dreams, but they're, you know, also, I wouldn't say conservative, but they're not major risk takers. Right. So like me, I've always kind of been more willing to take major risks. Um, with career moves and just doing things, but it's kind of nice to have someone kind of keep you grounded or, or help kind of challenge your ideas just so you have that other opinion and it'll help kind of form your, your next business move. Um, of course, being around people who are completely negative and completely shoot down everything, um, you definitely want to stay away from that. I think that's kind of a given. It's just going to shoot all your ideas down and you'll probably never want to try anything new for yourself. So I, like I said, I was very lucky to have that kind of support. Um, and then now they're still supporting me. Like I have a kid and I, when I'm out on shoots, I have my mom and my kid come with me. So at least I'm still being that hands-on mom, but I have my mom as a caretaker while my husband is taking care of finances and business on the home front. So, um, you know, keep your family close and especially if they're willing to help you build your dream, you know, employ them. Yeah. Keep them close. Keep them, keep them and be good to them because oh yeah, it, it takes, it takes a village. It certainly does. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's finish out here with some so money fill in the blanks. This has been a real, I've been taking notes. I've been, I've been taking notes as you've been talking, but to wrap, let's just do something really, um, hopefully not too, you know, too, I guess, thoughtful, like you just, whatever first thing comes to mind, finish the sentence. Oh my God, I'm the worst. Ah! Ah, All right. I'm sure you're going to be fine. Okay. So here's the first one. If I won the lottery, the first thing I would do is? Buy a huge house for my family and us to live in together. Yeah. But big enough, right? So that you can have your privacy. Oh yeah. Like, I mean like two separate houses kind of. Yeah. We share a garden. That's that's how I like it. All right. Nice. When I... Spend okay. Here's the next one. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is. Oh my god! I'm not even a spender. Oh my god! 
But is there something that you buy that like makes your life easier or better? Like something you purchase regularly or, I mean, for me, it's my cleaning person. Oh my God. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I have a weekly cleaning person and her daughter is actually my unboxing assistant. <laughs> so I have, <laughs> Oh, you must get so much free product. Yes. <laughs> well, let me ask you, let me, let me sidebar. What's a, what are your favorite drugstore buys? Cause I know I like a lot of makeup Ooh. is just marked up in the packaging, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what are your favorite makeup buys at the drugstore? I love LA Girl Cosmetics. I think that's one of the best brands that are like super, super low priced, um, found at drugstores. I think even like, um, I believe Walgreens and all those drugstores have them. Um, their concealers are like a couple of bucks and they are so, so full coverage and so good. Like I've been actually using them since I discovered them many years ago when I started on Instagram and they're still my favorite. So LA girl cosmetics concealers. LA girl. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. concealers. Honestly, they're everything. Like every single thing I've ever used from them has been incredible. Do they sell them in New York? <laughs> Cause Oh yeah. LA everywhere. girl seems LA focused. Okay, cool. LA girl. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look out for that. Okay, cool. Um, one thing that I wish I had learned about money growing up, I know your parents were superb and role models for you, but is there something you wish you had learned even earlier about money? Um, I wish I learned more about investing. Mm-hmm. My parents were savers, not investors. Right. Um, for yeah. me, I wish I kind of knew a little bit more about investing from the beginning. That makes sense. I hear that a lot from men and women. I guess mm-hmm. it's just not something you bring up. In yeah. House. It's not, it's not dinner conversation, but no, it really isn't. <laughs> um, all right. When I donate, I like to give to blank because animals and kids because I feel like they really can't help themselves and I love to be able to help them. Yes, that's perfectly said. And last but not least, I'm Tamana Roshan. I'm so money because... (laughs) Oh my God, you put me on the spot. I'm Tamana Roshan and I'm so money because I'm independent, self-made, and I give back. Yes, Mm -hmm. that is a really good, well-rounded answer. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, Tam. I'm, I'm so excited to share your story with our audience. And I know you're out in LA. Would love for you to check us out at Stack's house. Bring your squad. Oh my God. I would love to. And thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. To learn more about Tamana, visit dressyourfacelive.com or become one of our millions of followers on Instagram at dressyourface. All this information is at somoneypodcast.com. We have the audio, the transcript, and if you'd like to leave a question for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh, you can do so by clicking on Ask Farnoosh on the site. You can also follow me on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. Send me a direct message. A lot of our Friday questions are pulled from Instagram. Either way, looking forward to hearing from you and I hope your day is so money. Money.